Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions. We've got a snark built, and we are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. You can also follow us on Facebook, the Longhorn Republic, where we do our post-game live streams every Saturday during football season. You can also shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's been triggered by the color purple all week. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Fantastic film. Absolutely terrible uh, color for a team to wear. I will say this, Gerald. My theory is that the remaining Bill Snyder magic, he doesn't, you know, he's retired. He can't just brew up a fresh cauldron every week. He he, he takes the offseason, much like sauerkraut. You know, you kind of have to let it ferment, can it, take some time, really stir it in there. He only has enough for like one, right? So since Chris Kleiman has come... A, this stinks because it means we're no longer the Joneses right now. It admittedly is OU's conference. They will only use their upset potion, the K-State Wildcats, against one team. So I'm thinking that that makes me feel better for our future preview against K-State. But I will say that this week, as I sit here and bask in the glory, I am so very thankful for the K-State beating OU for the second year in a row. It doesn't feel great, does it, our friends in Norman? It's 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 very not nice. Ron Prince even did it to us. Jordy Nelson did it to us. It, it, it's not a nice feeling whatsoever. Um, I hope that K State has turned their gaze only specifically to Oklahoma and just it just doesn't even look at us anymore. And we just play a regular game of football. We can win those. Um, but we're going to talk this week about the other team in purple, Gerald. The other team. In probably the same shade, um, but I, I'll just say, you know, uh, face as purple as uh, the 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 patch of form that Sam Ellinger finds himself in. Purple patch is a soccer term, but I'll I'll, I'll use it here. TCU Horn Frogs, which is never a fun team to preview when you have them coming up on the schedule. Yeah, it took you it took you a little bit to get there, but TCU that. scares the absolute everything out of me uh because let's uh, there's no two ways around it since tcu has joined the big 12 they've owned texas and it terrifies me texas has just two wins since tcu joined the big 12 and it took like i think two gary patterson's probably two worst teams since they joined the big 12 for that to happen and so we are here to preview the tcu horned frogs and see how Texas can hopefully come away with a little bit of a win. Now, Texas opened up as a 13-point favorite over TCU. Take the under on that. <laughs> I would just I, – I, it's Gary Patterson, right? It's Gary Patterson going to Austin like, ah, I don't, I don't believe more than, more than three points. But there is – there's a lot to talk about TCU because TCU, they had season openers fall through which is the thing that's happening. I feel bad for them in Houston. Houston still hasn't played a game. Um, But, I mean, it's Dana Holgerson, so it couldn't happen to a better person. But uh, TCU has uh, finally got to open their season against Iowa State and just came up short, 37-34. to We tell ourselves not to put too much stock in openers, 
but it's TCU, and so I'm just going to assume they're going to be 30% better than any other week because, well, they just love beating Texas. And so uh, we have to start with the quarterback spot. Uh, Max Duggan miraculously is healed after potentially missing the entire season due to an undiagnosed heart issue, is now able to play. Uh, Matt, Matt Downing started the game, who was a walk-on at Georgia and then transferred to TCU. Uh, but Thug and Duggan came in on the second half and really took over and propelled TCU to the almost win. So Max Duggan's a guy who terrifies me because he set records against Texas last year, and he's he's got that dual threat thing that you never like to see when you're struggling with an RPO on defense. I mean, I really hope that Patterson keeps to his word that he hopefully made to Matt Downing once Max Duggan was diagnosed that he gets to start the first two games of the season. I don't know if that was a word he gave to him, but I really hope so not to really rain on Matt Downing's parade. But, but you know, we kind of said, I don't know how good this team could be, but and we had a good friend, Melissa Trebowasser, come on and say, you know, that what she's realized in years past is no matter how good all the skill position and other, you know, line and defense and play from TCU is they kind of live and die by their quarterback. And so, you know, we've seen Max Duggan be good as a freshman and have potential. Um, and then when I thought that because, you know, he, he they found a condition and he wasn't going to play, I felt very confident about this team based on that analysis, our own analysis. And, and again, Matt Downing being fine, not a, not a particularly good big 12 level quarterback. Um, I felt pretty confident about this game for the first time in years. And I should have known better, right? When I, I, I just caught a little bit of the first half stats. Uh, I said, okay, you know, fine. And then all of a sudden I saw the name Max Duggan come across and I was like, wait, 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 uh, no, what, what? And, and somehow I missed the news alert that he was even eligible to play. So that entirely surprised me, but he came in and, in, in, you know, 16 for 19 for 241 uh, in three TDs. He did have an INT, but in one of his, come on, one of his TDs was garbage time is, is literally the game expired, but still really good stats for a half of football. Not Sam Ellinger against Utah, half of football stats, but really good stats. And that concerns me. I think Alan Bowman, who we didn't ever get to see, I, I was hoping we could have Max Duggan that this year, showed you know, he's the much better quarterback than Jet Duffy for Tech. And the first time Texas played him, he, you know, did some things really unbelievably well. I think, you know, Max Duggan is a, you know, at that upper half of, of Big 12 quarterbacks, which puts you probably in the top 30 quarterbacks in the country thereabouts. And so there is a danger there. And, and I think based on what we talked about in our Tech recap, um, there's going to be a lot of X's, O's, and circles drawn around ways to to disrupt Duggan and not let him get in that same flow. I mean, I think Max Duggan is your X factor for TCU. Uh, they're, they're, they're looking to be more pass first, which I never thought I would see from a Gary Patterson team. Now that we say that, they're going to come out and rush the ball and just, <laughs> just hand the ball off 40 times. Or Triple times. option they've been installing. Yeah, they're they're going to do something. Uh, but Max Duggan's a heck of a quarterback, and... and you know, at, this is like, I'm not the guy that likes playing teams when they're at full strength. I think there are two kinds of people in the world, people that like to win and people that like to play teams that are at their full strength. I like to win. <laughs> so let them all be injured. If you ask me, I'm glad yeah. he's healthy. I'm glad he's safe. But I was very, I was much happier when he was on the, on the mend and not able to play football. Um, Max Duggan's a guy who is again, two years from now could be in the conversation for one of the best quarterbacks in the country, not just the conference. And so 
I think he's a guy who can scramble, who can reset the pocket, who can do some things in an option read. He can do some things uh, when plays break down. And so that to me is going to be going to be a big thing to watch this weekend because I mean, tech Alan Bowman just carved up Texas mm. uh, on, on, on Saturday. The, Alan Bowman just carved up Texas, you know, this last Saturday. And so I think there is a lot to be said for can Texas keep a guy from going for, you know, 300 plus yards two weeks in a row like that, that how do they bounce back? How do they recover from the struggles of last Saturday? And, and Max Duggan's going to be a guy who's not going to make it very easy on you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, remember back to last year, he he had, you know, uh, counted for, which I think is crazy, almost 50% of their rushing yards with, with 72 yards and a touchdown on the ground, and then almost 300 yards and two touchdowns in the air as a freshman who, you know, didn't have the offense built to his strength. So necessarily, so, you know, potential to build on those. Those were his probably best numbers of the season last year um, against Texas, which I, I hate. But, uh, you know, similarly, it looks like TCU doesn't have the stable of running backs that Gary Patterson wants, or at least isn't ready to, you know, doesn't feel like five-star uh, recruit Zach Evans is ready to get in there. So you're probably going to see a quarterback-led, um, you know, type of offense where Patterson wants a guy who can run in there and who can, you know, he's not going to be an Allen Bowman. Allen Bowman, I think the stat I, I had before the game only three times in his career has thrown less than 46 times. Two of them were injury. One was a blowout 77 to nothing against Lamar where he got pulled every other time, including last week, has thrown 46 or more times. I don't think Duggan has probably ever thrown 46. And I don't think Patterson wants him to throw 46 times. But I do think that they want to come out and do some of the things that Tech did that worked. Those RPO looks against our linebackers, put them uh, in conflict and, you know, try to get some short passes with, with some good athletes and see if Texas in one week instantly solved their tackling, <coughs> tackling problems, especially in the secondary. So I think Gary Patterson is smart. Uh, Sonny Cumbie will see, but is going to attack the the weakest parts of Texas, and and we we laid our belly bare to to all uh, against Texas Tech. I'm curious what what the passing game looks like for TCU because their top two top two. Um, in catches against Iowa State were Tay Barber, who we knew was going to be good, mm-hmm. uh, five receptions, 82 yards, and a score. But then the number two receiver was um, Amari De Mercado, who's a running back. Who, so he had five catches for 42. And so if if they're going to dump it off to running backs, I, I like Texas's lateral sideline to sideline speed uh, defensively, and we'll talk more about that in just a little bit. But like their, their wide receiver group, there, none of these names are you're going to be your household name, but Tay Barber, Blair Blair Conright, uh, Artavius Lynn, Quentin Johnson, a guy who's a household name if you follow recruiting, mm-hmm. but like those guys all had more than fifty yards. They all had really good games. Now, granted, Artavius Lynn's uh, was sixty like forty eight of his sixty two yard yards came on one play, right? Quentin Johnson thirty seven of his fifty yards came on one play. Uh, so like. There's some explosivity there, and I think there's, again, a little bit of, of a thumb on the scale when you're looking at guys and their their yards per catch. But, like, they've got some big play threats at wide receiver, and we saw how Texas was able to handle that against Tech, which I don't think they'll be as bad because, again, I don't think these guys are as big and as physical right. as Tech's receivers. But they're going to run good routes, and they're going to play very, very sound at the wide receiver spot. 
I, I, I do think, right, like, give all the credit in the world to Gary Patterson, but I do think that Tech is more talented, and that's what we said in our preview before Tech, um, than most teams in the conference, specifically at quarterback and wide receiver, at those two positions. Um, and, and I would even say, because we haven't seen anyone establish themselves for Tech, it looks like probably at the running back position as well. So in all three of the most important offensive positions, I think Tech has more talent, at least. So that should be some... Um, sigh of relief maybe just a little bit but again it's Gary Patterson like I I, I would never sit here and think that he doesn't have something up his sleeve for Texas that, they, that the players aren't so up to play Texas that they're going to execute and play out of their skulls again you talked about Quentin Johnson a guy who um, absolutely is, is is a big you know a, a big playmaker and, and um, even though they don't have a Jalen Rager again this year Tay Barber is a very good receiver and he's he belongs on that list with you know the tech big receivers and, and the guys we talked about the you know it, the other big 12 schools who are the the guy I just don't know that they have two and three who are ready right now today to go up one-on-one and, and consistently beat the Texas secondary at least that is my hope I think the, the the way that Texas matches up with with that of course is is you know Chris Ash needs to um, get the guys really you know perfected in his scheme uh, with with their kind of man press quarters and 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 uh, you know have them helping on on coming up to the next level and making tackles uh, when we they do complete stuff short, being sure tackling. Um, but I, I feel I feel confident even even for two of Tech's touchdowns, like I said, we're well covered. Uh, it, it was more tackling than coverage. So if, if if they can focus on that and not giving up the yards after contact to Tech's receive, or excuse me to TCU's receivers, then I do feel like we match up really well with TCU's offense from just a you know strength for strength, scheme for scheme. I think the the thing that I I'm curious about is that Iowa State had great success on sacks and tackles for loss, and yep. so I think they they were able to find something. Now, granted, they have uh, Iowa State has Jaquan Bailey, who's probably one of the best pass rushers in the conference, mm-hmm. uh, and he had three and a half sacks on his own. But like six sacks is a big big number. Like yep. again, I think they had eight or nine tackles for loss. Like that's a big number and so i think if texas can can kind of crack that code during their 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 film sessions their strategy sessions this week texas could could potentially finally you know end a drought and i say a drought where they had i think two sacks on the season but like not by a starter that's for sure so uh, the the ability to, to pressure max duggan and to get him off schedule i think is going to be key and that's something that like when i saw when i was looking over their stats like my, my ears uh pricked up a little bit. It was like, oh, they, they were able to get to the quarterback. And so I think that's going to be something to watch uh, as Texas takes the field against TCU. In in Tech had to replace a third-round pick in Lucas Nyang and, and only return one – or excuse me, Tech, I said uh, – TCU and only returned – one starter. So this was an area that we knew to be watching when we had, again, our friend Melissa Trebwasser come in to help us with our, our preview a few weeks ago. Um, that was her area of concern, right? And I think for, for anyone who follows TCU – even remotely close, that was going to be the area for concern. And so if that was your concern, then certainly um, you're even more concerned after a week of it. Because I I do think, uh, we'll talk about the other side as well, but on both sides of the ball, Iowa State just dominated the trenches. I mean, they they looked like the offensive defensive line for TCU just got their butts whooped for, for four quarters. There was things that TCU did well. There's things that Iowa State did really poorly. Um, but, you know, when it comes to just moving their offensive line out of the way and letting playmakers... Jaquan Bailey's very good. I think Texas' defensive line is every bit as good as Iowa State's, if not better. You just need to see him execute it. I think if if they aren't under the 
uh, Alan Bowman plan of, you know, get the ball out of your hand in three seconds, then you're going to see a very dirty jersey on Max Duggan. Again, he's got the legs that Bowman doesn't have to extend plays, to create something, to make a guy miss. He, he is athletic, but I, I think that Texas is going to pin their ears back, and, and I think that defensive line that we've been wanting to see something from is going to be licking their chops because they also have expectations of themselves. So defensively, uh, TCU gave up a little bit uh, to to Iowa State, and so Gary Patterson is kind of known as the defensive guy in the Big 12, but you know Brock Purdy, who... Again, I'm glad he's kind of getting knocked off of this pedestal a little bit. <laughs> Didn't have a great game, 18 of, of 18 for 23 for 211. Uh, but Iowa State found a ton of success on the ground against the Gary Patterson defense, which I don't remember the last time we said anybody had success against the Gary Patterson defense on the bra- ground. Now, Brees Hall is one of the best running backs in the country. Yeah. Uh, but again... 154 yards and three scores, averaging eight, six a carry. That's a lot of yardage. Like, that's a lot of uh, success. And it wasn't just like he had one real long when he had a 75 yarder, but they gave up another basically 50 yarder to Iowa State's other running back. So, like, there is there's a gap there for Patterson. And I think. I, I hope to see Texas try to exploit that, especially after the week that Keontae Ingram had against TCU, finding space, being physical, kind of putting his body in the hole more so than we've seen a lot. And again, if if Ingram's not the guy, if he's not feeling it, then you got two other guys. Well, you maybe have two other guys. You have at least one other guy to hand the ball off to in Roshan Johnson. Um, there is... There, there's a, there's an opportunity, I think, for Texas to be way more balanced and way more. And when you say balanced, I don't mean like 50-50 play calling, but able to get success in whatever facet of the game that you find. I think against TCU for the first time in what feels like forever, there's an opportunity for success on the ground. This if, if this is the week that Texas establishes something that they create an identity of, that they, they get that, that muscle memory of beating uh, a defensive line, you know, th- this should be it. T- TCU has talent. Like, don't get me wrong. They, they have talent. But uh, similarly to their offensive line, they weren't a great team last year. They won five games. But they had, we talked about this in our preview, a lot of picks, right? Ross Blacklock was a second-round draft pick. But he's gone, right? So you, your best player from a year ago is gone. And we saw this in both of TCU's line units that they – didn't instantly just Gary Patterson like he does just pull a rabbit out of a hat and reproduce. They didn't just instantly um, find a a defensive unit that that could put pressure the way that Patterson uh, defenses typically do. They couldn't just have a a unit that swarms and takes really good running backs out. I mean, I I feel like it was a hot take when I uh, said on the Iowa state preview that I thought Brees Hall was as good a player as Brock Purdy. And that was as much bringing up, Purdy down a notch is elevating Hall. But, I mean, you saw, like I said, they had two running backs with 50-yard runs uh, or, or greater on that defense. That's 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 crazy. I don't know that Texas is going to have, please don't hear me say, three runs of over 50 yards, but I would love it if they do. Let's give one to each of our three running backs. You know, that's a great way to to uh, keep everybody happy if, if Bijan is, is 100%. Um, but, uh, you know, I think um, there is a chance that this is, a you know, you test out either someone new on that right side of the line or you get some confidence boost when they could push people around a little bit. And 
if, if Keonta Ingram does the thing where he runs like he did in the fourth quarter of the Tech game, like no one can stop him, that there's no reason that Texas can't have their third straight game of 200 yards, except they can do it without a Malcolm Epps RPO 40-yard run or without Sam Ellinger having to get 70 on the ground, a lot of it from, you know, scrambles. I, I would love... 200 yards on the ground and, and 185 of it, 190 of it be our three running backs just, just you know, absolutely slicing through a TCU front seven. If they're able to be multiple and they're able to find ways to get space, I think Texas can really capitalize. But I do need Sam Ellinger to get 312. <laughs> 312 is the magic number for Saturday. If Sam Ellinger hits 312 yards against TCU, then he will be the fastest quarterback in Texas history to ever reach 1,000 yards. He had he set the record, or tied the record that he and, Sam, and Colt McCoy uh, both held with four games. So if, again, he can hit 312 on Saturday, that'll be a record for him. So... Uh, Brock Purdy again, two eleven. But Brock Purdy and Sam Ellinger, I'm going to say it. I'm fine. I'm finally just going to say it. Are not on the same level. And if you think they are, you're crazy. Like they're 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 two completely different leagues. And I think, and and this and and this may be just me being goofy, but wouldn't it feel great for this to be the 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 year? where Tom Herman just like pours it on like just years of pent up aggression and frustration. Like if Texas can build a lead and they pour it on a little bit, like I would love to see Sam just cook for a little while. Uh, oh yeah. I mean that, that would be great. I'd love to, to let Sam get going. And, and I, I kind of completely agree. There's no reason that up until, you know, it's, four or five scores that, that you're not having Sam go out there and run the, the offense, right? It's only week three. There's still a lot of really good teams coming up. You don't get a bunch of time runway to do that. Let's like, let's get in there and learn all of those good habits. Let's let our offensive line get better at pass pro and, and do a better job with letting three men rush, get, get pressure. Right. So yeah, absolutely. If you're up, you're still running your full offense, I think against TCU. And, and I mean, we just talked about, look, the formula that Iowa State played, I don't know that that's necessarily going to 100% be the Texas formula. I think they w- want to be a team that establishes the the point of attack, establishes the run, lets Purdy you know, do things and not have to be the focal point. He can be in their offense in the past, but it feels like their identity, um, they, they have more success because if you saw Purdy kind of go down with a sack and just fling a ball up that led to a TCU pick six, you know um, he's crumpling just a smidge under the full pressure and weight of expectation. Um, but Texas is a much different offense, and I think a much better offense than Iowa State. I just come right out and say that. Um, and I, I do think that Texas could get close to that 200 and still very easily get another 300 passing, and that feels like a good good split to me, right? Like 312, sure, let's get there. Um, and let, let Sam do it. Um, you know, I, I would love to see some receivers – uh, step up like I talked about. Um, I'd love to see another one of our receivers kind of pick on um, that tech secondary that hasn't really, really been tested a ton in their one game that they've played. Again, one game, hard to extrapolate. Gary Patterson could change everything, have something different. You know, it could. It, it, it's Gary Patterson. But I do feel like Texas has, has established enough of an identity that you know what they are. You know what their weapons are. You know what their weaknesses are. Um, and this is a chance to go hide your weaknesses, play on your strengths, maybe improve on areas you've been weak in the past. And and yeah, I mean, talent-wise right now, I think Texas has as good a chance as they've had in, in any year to win by multiple scores against TCU. Do I have any confidence that that will happen? No, no, not at all. But would I love to see that? Would that be great? Would that be kind of breaking a, a 
boogeyman that's hung over the program for years and Texas's worst decade of football that TCU came in and gets to have a certain feeling about Texas, you know, when they were at their peak. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it would. And also, would that be the perfect way to respond for a team that has big aspirations this year when they just had to go to overtime in a game that they felt they should have won by multiple scores last week? Yes, yes, it would. So from a psychological standpoint, getting this one, you know, getting up early and keeping your foot down is exactly what you want to see from from the Texas football team. And I, and I think a lot of that in their identity this year comes from that Texas offense. So it, it'll be a, a battle of strengths. Gary Patterson's defense for Sam Ellinger, Mike Yersich, Tom Herman, and the Texas offense. That's what you want to see, especially if you are a Texas fan, because I think, and not that, not that Gary Patterson isn't, top three defensive coaches in the country. Like, I think that's fair to say that Gary Patterson has probably earned that by now, but I think the offense just has a natural advantage in those types of matchups because the defense has to react and guess and the offense knows what they're doing. And so I think there's a natural advantage that comes with a guy like Mike Yersich and a guy like Sam Ellinger who are able to uh, helm and, and kind of keep, keep the offense going. And again, I, I will not, until I see otherwise, I will take Sam Ellinger over every quarterback in the conference when it comes to, if this thing turns into a shootout, I'm going to take the guy that scored 22 in three. Like, that's going to be right. the guy that I choose. That's who went seven of seven for 80 yards and three touchdowns on his last seven passes. That's the guy I'm going to pick 10 times out of 10. And so if it turns into a shootout, if it turns into a slugfest, Texas has the guy to do it. Now, the thing I do want to talk about is, TCU defensively wasn't really able to get home much against the Iowa State offensive line yeah. that is traditionally, and once again this year, kind of terrible. They only came up with two sacks yep. and five tackles for loss, so not a big number from TCU, especially with a guy like Garrett Wallow, who is another one of those just knockout, like I can, I'll get to the quarterback in, you know, with cement shoes on kind of guys. But like that to me is something to watch. It will, yep. will, Will Gary Patterson be able to scheme up something to take advantage of the deficiency that Texas seemingly has that offensive line, or will Texas be able to shore it up and somehow find a way to be better than Iowa State's <laughs> offensive line? Yeah, I mean, I think those are fantastic points, Gerald. I think the the offensive line was when we looked at Iowa State's team when we had our preview with Iowa State. That is their their biggest area of concern and, and probably for Texas's pretty loaded offense, that's our biggest area of concern coming into the season as well. So there's some similarities there and I don't think there's any reason. I think Sam Cosme is by far out of those 10 guys, the best offensive lineman. I think, you know, Kerstetter on his day could be the second best out of that, you know, out of that 10. Um, and there's no reason that they can't be a much better um, line. But, but I, the thing that's even more important there is that Gary Patterson has been able to string eight, nine wins out of, you know, three-star talent based on his scheme. And and the thing that you expect from a Gary Patterson defense always is they're going to get a ton of pressure. They're going to disrupt what you want to do on offense. And last year, even though they had first, second, third round talent on that team, they won five games. And the big reason was they had kind of their, some of their least uh, amount of, of sacks, quarterback pressures, hurries that – Patterson's had since he got to TCU. So the fact that week one, you didn't see a defense come out hair on fire and say, we're reestablishing that identity. A scares me that they're going to try to do that in week two, but B tells me that if they can't do that, then, you know, that is something about how big 12 offensive coordinators and offenses are adjusting to Gary Patterson being the standard for big 12 defense. Right. I think, um, 
there's something that has been unlocked there. So that will be the exact key to watch is the type of pressure that the front six, I guess in this case, are getting on Ellinger on running plays in the backfield um, and and what havoc they're creating behind the line of scrimmage, where again, this should in theory be much better than Texas tech on the line. Um, And wallow, you know, in, in Jeffers are two of the best linebackers we've seen in the conference in back-to-back weeks. But I do think that, this should be more talented, so it is a little bit of a danger, but they didn't show it in week one that they were that. So it, it will be very curious. Again, you can't put everything on openers, um, but that's the matchup. That's the thing to watch. I will not let you talk me into reading too much into an opener, Kyle. I will not do it. <laughs> I refuse to do it. Not after last week. Not Again, real quick, we do have to talk about special teams. Texas needs to do something, improve that punt unit. Uh, TCU didn't really have anything to write home about on special teams. Uh, Again, the punter averaged just under 40. Uh, The kicker missed one field goal, but went four for four on extra points. So, again, I think... If this this could turn out to be be an advantage for Texas if they can figure out what the heck happened on those on those two uh, opposite sides of the punting game, uh, if Texas can can get that together, that could definitely be advantageous for them. Jameson has looked electric every time he's touched the ball this season, um, except the time that he touched the ball touched and didn't it catch it. Yeah, touched it twice. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm willing to forgive him that if he wants to come out and immediately run one back on TCU and just put the the numbers game immediately in the favor of, of Texas, either on a punt or kick return. Um, it, it doesn't look good if their punter's only averaging third. 39 per punt. That's not net. That's total. Um, maybe he won't get a lot of chances and maybe just needs to stay the heck away um, from balls and not get touched by weird bounces. That goes for the whole um, punt kind of return team. Um, but a thing to look, I mean, our two grad transfers, Schooler and Black receivers are both on the punt return unit. So they're putting guys there. They're putting a priority there. They're, they want this to be a unit that wins. And I think they have something, Coach Bulware has something to prove after last week. And so I, I kind of expect that there's going to be something. Again, from the kicker matchup, Dicker much better than the kicker they have. He was 0 for 1 uh, in his, his first week. Uh, their puncher didn't look great. I think they had a couple like returns of, you know, kick returns under, under like 12 yards. Like not good stuff there. So Texas should in theory, check all of those boxes and win all of those matchups. And if it's a if it's a relative stalemate, if offensive decent is a toss up between the two, let this be the inverse of the tech game and win so much on special teams that they put the game away and they they take out any doubt. I, I don't think that the two units offense defense are a wash. I think Texas will win one, potentially both of those if they play up to potential. But I think special teams is an area that I absolutely want to see after the debacle one of the worst special teams games in UT history, at least in, since I've been watching, moving forward and moving that needle forward and doing something special this week, um, more than just, hey, don't do anything. Don't touch it. Don't return it. Let's let's do something. Let's prove that we have the athletes, the smarts, and the coaching that, that we can we can make this a win. Don't let it cost you two scores. That's all I'll say. Don't let Fair. special teams cost you two scores. Granted, Texas scored on one, so really it was just a seven-point difference, but still – not a great look. So it's that time, Kyle, for predictions. Just a quick update. You do lead the Potsdamas predictions three to one after we both went one and one this last week. You went two and oh week one. I went oh for two. I'm not too proud to say that. We're playing the long game here. Slow and steady <laughs> wins the race. So three and one, Kyle. Potsdamas predictions for you this week. So, Gerald, before I jump in here, one thing that I want to offer you, because I, I hate that I always beat you so badly at this every year. Um, 
first year we've kept score. <laughs> well, I, I I've always kept score. Uh, the the um, the possibility of making this a more dynamic scoring system and also may help you know check if we put some strategy into it. Are you at all interested in negative points for? missing a Podstradamus. In that case, you could only pick one instead of two if you don't feel safe. Um, or, you know, if you miss both and, and one gets both, that's a four-point swing. Are you interested in a bit more dynamic story? Or do you want to keep what we've started here, go through the season, you know, full speed ahead? Because I, I know you feel a comeback coming in the second half of the season. I think you're right there for it. How do you want to play this? So since the rules don't matter and everything's made up, I'm totally fine for it. I think my question is that we need to adjudicate real quick. Is are we going Jeopardy scoring where you can go negative? Like, could, will somebody finish the season with a ne- could somebody finish the season with a negative Podstradamus yes. score? If okay, yes, done. absolutely. Let's do it. Let's go for it. Okay, let's go for it, Kyle. So, so with the new rules, yes, finally settled. Week yes. three, finally settled. What you got? I'm still going two. You thought I was going to make me only go one. I feel so confident in my picks, baby. This is Kyle's uh, Stone Cold Lock of the Week. Um, Texas comes into this game with with two sacks on the entire season. No sacks uh, last week. Uh, garbage time sacks against UTEP. They still count, I guess. Um, but two sacks on the season in two games isn't good enough for a unit that we said might be the most talented. Well, you and I have both said that on this podcast. So here it comes. Not only one. But two, Texas will have at least two sacks this week against a very mobile, slippery, tough to get down uh, Max Duggan. We won't get the the benefit that Iowa State had of a walk on freshman. I, I don't know how many of their sacks they got against him versus Duggan, but I, you know Iowa State had a bunch of sacks. Um, but uh, I, Texas gets at least two, and I and I think there's there's no reason they can't uh, even have more than that. But I'm going to put set my line at two sacks. For the Texas defense, that was going to be my one. But now to keep things interesting, I'll I'll pick a different one so we don't so we have some intrigue here. So okay. I will stick with the number two. I think Texas turns TCU over twice. Okay, whether it's a interception, a fumble, a muffed punt, whatever it may be, I think Texas manages to turn TCU over twice. Man, after Texas is almost uh, scoring on turnovers, uh, Jawan Mitchell twice thinking he had one, and Chris Adamore being absolutely and utterly robbed with a 12- or 15-man caravan that let him somehow get chased down from behind by an offensive lineman. Um, I hope that they do that twice, and I hope they turn that into points. But that's not my prediction, Joe. No, my prediction is based on a an old friend, um, a guy who... We really loved at the beginning of last season. Didn't see him as much at the end. He had he had some bright spots, and we haven't had the chance of seeing his delightful, delectable little uh, quick cuts and speed bursts and underneath routes and um, joyous touchdown celebrations. Of course, I'm talking about Jake Smith. Now, Jake Smith's coming back this week, on, on all accounts we're hearing he has been hurt. But I'm gonna I'm instantly buying. Right, he's there. It's, uh, it's a fantasy pick that somehow didn't get drafted. People didn't want to sit the injury out, so it's there for the tick, and I'm buying it. And I'm buying Jake Smith this week to have at least, at least five touches of the ball, and he's going to turn one of those into a touchdown. So that might be four catches and a run, you know, bubble screens taking him, whatever. Five touches of the ball and a touchdown. So I'm, I'm, that's one Podstradamus, two components. And, I, you know, I, I don't want to take the easy route here, Gerald. I, I feel like... Sometimes you think I go too easy and I'm making it easy. I mean, I'm not. I'm killing it. But going easy on myself. So I'm going to go five and and one touchdown. I think that's fair. 
that was really specific. I'm actually very, very proud of you, Kyle, especially now that we have these scoring rules in place. Uh, I'm very, very proud of you for that. So I think Texas running backs going over 100. I refuse to pick which one because you never know who's going to get the line share of the carries. But I do believe that a Texas running back uh, will go over 100. Not runner. just run. I'm going moderately specific. Running back. Can't be Sam Ellinger going over 100. But whether it's Keontae Ingram, Roshan Johnson, whoever, going over 100 on the day. You're going to be so mad when Jake Smith turns five reverses into 110 yards. But... Uh... <laughs> I won't be. Let's be. If that's how it goes down, that's how it goes down. If if he gets 110 yards on five reverses, I'll we can laugh our way to a W. I love it. Uh, that's this is good. This gives us some intrigue. Let's uh, listeners keep us honest. You know, keep your eye out for these. But I think Gerald and I uh, will be watching specifically for these four Podstradamus picks. All right, Gerald. So we're gonna take Burn Orange lenses offline this week. Um, there's. A lot going on in the NFL. We, we've been spending so much time in the college football world, though. Usually we will give you a uh, an update on the long range of the NFL. But um, the, the college football world with the Tech game so crazy and the TCU game, which we so desperately want to uh, win, we really focus on college this week. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give us a breather. Uh, folks, tweet us your favorite Devin DuVernay touchdown kick return or whichever NFL player you were most proud of for the Longhorns. This week could be Puna again being amazing. Uh, tweet us your favorite in the replies of Texas who you thought had the best uh, NFL horns moment. But we're going to move straight into the Godzilla Tron, um, which again, of course, is the the former name of our large screen. The end zone haven't named the new one. This is what Gerald and I do during the quarantine times of the past few months is looking at something majestic on our large screen. So Gerald, what have you been watching? This was po- majestic is probably the way to describe this. So I. Uh... I'm a couple weeks behind, but my wife and I we have we have a newborn, so like we don't get to like watch a ton of TV, and I can't watch Chef's Table without her. I will get divorced. Uh, so we finally had an opportunity to sit down and watch the Chef's Table barbecue. And episode one was at Snow's out in Lexington, and uh, Tootsie Tominitz is just one, just an incredible human being. Like let's talk about just an awesome, awesome person. Yeah. First of all, second of all. That woman could cook. That, like, no gender. She's just an incredible pit master. Like, mm-hmm. the, the, and I don't use this term lightly, the straight-up food porn that they were giving us in that documentary was ridiculous. Like, I, so a lot of people, there, there was an incredible shot of the, of the brisket jiggle, which the brisket jiggle is always nice to see, but there was a perfectly cooked pork steak. It was just smoked to perfection. It was sliced beautifully. The color was perfect. Like, I could not stop thinking about that pork steak. And now that it's been on chef's table, it's going to be even more obnoxious mm-hmm. to try to get in. But I will go sit outside snows at four in the morning if I have to. I'll bring a tent. I will camp out. I'll do what I got to. But that is our. that was the big watch this week. I'm still... Working through King of the Hill on the back end. Still working through Scrubs on the back end. Um, Lovecraft Country wasn't as scary this week. It's going to be real scary this week. Uh, if it's anything like the book chapter that it's based on, it'll be very, very scary. So if you're not into scary, don't watch it. Uh, that's what I've been uh, been working through lately, Kyle. Uh, my wife and I watch that show. And, and whenever we do, even the older episodes, it's like, what? What, what cameras do they have that no one else has ever had access to? A, how much is Netflix shilling out? Because they if it's like 4K, 1080p was what was good, they're on like 11K, 300,000p. 
tech nerds don't yell at me, AV Club. I know that's not quite real yet. But whatever cameras Netflix use, it, it really is amazing. And I will forever regret um, there was a, a, a roommate of mine, I guess a housemate, uh, Ryan Simpson, who was just a man of adventure. Uh, he did graduate, but I think he spent most of his time in college coming up with schemes and adventures. Um, and, and one Friday night, very late, um, probably beer involved said, yeah, tomorrow morning, Saturday, we're driving out to Lexington. And this is very early on before the hype was really there to this place called snow's barbecue. You got to get there early, um, before, you know, they, they, they sell out and everything and go, go check it out. So this is, you know, let's say 20, 2008, 2009, somewhere around there. Um, And uh, I didn't. He went, got some people to go with him, bragged about how good it was, and I have never made it back since. So, Gerald, if you're ever up for it, I am 100% in to join you uh, in Snows and Meet Tootsie. She's she's 85, so we got to do it soon, man. She'll probably get another 20 years in her, but uh, she's just a wonderful, beautiful, amazing Texan, the most Texan woman I've ever seen. But there are two things I quickly want to talk about. Ted Lasso had its ninth episode. There's 10 episodes in the first season. Again, they're doing a weekly release on Friday. So when you're listening to this, the 10th, the season finale, will be coming out. The ninth was great, and it just sets up a perfect set piece, which I've heard from critics is amazing. In the 10th episode, they've renewed it for season two. I had two people this week reach out to me saying that they started Ted Lasso based on my recommendation and are loving it. So if, if you're not one of those two, if you're one of the other millions listening to this, you need to go ahead and jump in. Uh, it's the perfect time. You can catch up and then, uh, you know, f- tomorrow, Friday, when you're listening to this, uh, the, the season one finale will be coming on. But the other thing, it's counterintuitive because it's not on the screen. It's exactly how you're listening to this. It's a podcast that I want to recommend. Uh, ESPN Investigates, I believe, is the title of the overall thing. But this season that they're doing right now is called Bloodlines. It's about horse racing. And it is investigated and narrated by Wright Thompson. If you know anything about me, you know that I am the biggest Wright Thompson stand in the world. I think he's one of the best writers alive. It doesn't talk about sports when I say that. One of the best writers living right now. He just happens to grace us with sports as a medium. He writes usually about the culture, the feelings, the the human aspect behind sports. He doesn't really give you box scores, but just an incredible writer. And so to hear him in this podcast, he also has this beautiful barrel, deep Mississippi voice. And it's just a, it's a wonderful listen. And it's also of course, well researched, fact checked and and story told. Um, So interestingly by him, um, but about kind of the history of, of horse racing and some of the stuff that's been going on that offers is there a future uh, in horse racing so it's a fascinating listen I, if you're like me and you're kind of into horse racing like one day a year maybe but not really it's great if you're deep into it there's probably some stuff that really speaks to you as well um, but just a real good podcast that I uh, only a couple episodes not too hard uh, to get caught up there so I'd recommend both of those with the utmost I didn't know we were doing non-screen things non-screen things I got some recos so uh, <laughs> let me jump back in real quick trillion dollar coach is the book I'm reading right now. It's about a guy who is a very, very average football player turned into a very, very not good football coach and then became the executive and leadership coach for uh, Silicon Valley. So places like Google and Facebook employed him. So as their kind of leadership coach and developer, and he's the kind of person that everybody that you, that like they interviewed about his life is actually came out after he passed away. Um, was like, he was my best friend. I absolutely loved Bill. So like, if you're into, uh, if you're into to leadership development and, and coaching and those types of things, must read Trillion Dollar Coach, check it out. Uh, I am absolutely loving it. It's so, so good. Love that. Yeah, I, I should have been more specific, Daryl. I changed the rules 
uh, like my Podstradamuses, you know, I got to put these in writing and then we got to stick to them. But I, I will allow the occasional non-screen into this segment. That's it. That's all I got. Well, that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook. We'll be doing our post-game live stream this Saturday after the TCU game. My son did not burst in during following the Texas Tech game, but it's in the middle of the afternoon, so I'm guaranteeing my son will probably burst in during this next one, but that's okay. <laughs> He's way cuter than Kyle or I, so it's totally fine. Fair. But that's all we've got for you this week. Thank you so much for tuning in again, and until next time, hook him. Hook him. Frogs will be gigged and say gigging.